So just to give you a kind of just a brief overview of me and where I come from and what my background is, um, I was brought up in the Church of England by Christian parents. Um, I was born in Aldershot in Hampshire and um, went to a local Anglican church called Ascension. Um, both my parents were very active in terms of church and community, and I think that's been a big part of who I am and um, my motivation. My dad set up a battered wives refuge in the town, and um, he was president of the Depressives Association, and my mum was a teacher. Um, so there was always lots going on, and I was very much brought up with the idea that, that church is about the whole of your life, not just a, a Sunday morning, and um, my parents definitely lived that out. Um, they were very involved in the ecumenical movement, so I can remember from a very young age going to Catholic convents and um, having lots of different expressions of church and being part of that and kind of growing up thinking that that was normal, that was just um, a part of, of the diversity of the Christian life. Um, when I was 18, I made a commitment. Up until that point, I'd been very involved in church. I'd kind of been a server. I'd been in the choir. I'd been in the band. I'd done a lot of drama, written a lot of drama and presented it and stuff. So I was very active in the church. My dad was always the youth worker. So, um, yeah, we were always kind of very involved. And then when I got to 18, I um, had a mission at our church and the church army came, and we had this mission. And um, when I was younger, when I was about, I suppose, between... I got confirmed when I was about 13, 14, and then between that age and about 16, 17, I kind of felt a bit like, oh, I'm not... You know, I don't really know what point there is for, in this for me. And basically, my parents just woke me up every Sunday morning, whether I liked it or not, and I was absolutely furious. And I used to go to church, and I used to be in a mood and I was an absolute cow to everybody that I could possibly um, imagine who came into my path and made it very very clear that I did not want to be there under any circumstance whatsoever and if my parents weren't so completely awful I would be in bed um, but I just noticed that actually what happened was I went to church in this really foul mood and determined to be as horrible as I possibly could and um, I used to come out feeling really good and, like, quite happy and, and, and even, you know, and just... And then I started thinking, well, what is going on here? Why is it that I'm going there determined to be miserable? And actually, I come out and I feel good and I feel like something has changed during the course of, of uh, the service. And so I began to think, well, maybe there is something in this. Maybe there's something for me. You know, up until this point, I guess it had always been very much, this is what my parents wanted. Um, and so when I was 18, we had this mission, and I, um, I remember, you know, making a definite commitment to, um, to know Christ for myself. And... Um, I remember feeling a real sense of peace, and I'm not somebody who feels peace very often. I'm quite a kind of um, energetic person, quite um, on the go, doing things. And um, so feeling a sense of peace was, um, was what I remember of that experience of making a commitment. Um, so um, I then went off to university, and... Um, 
just before we went away, uh, one of my best friends who'd become a Christian through me and started coming to my church, um, he was killed in a car crash. And um, I was absolutely devastated. And, um, but because I was, I was actually head girl at school, confession time, um, I was very much involved in kind of counselling other people. I organised the funeral. I did, um, you know, the, the flowers, the food. You know, I did everything. Liaise with his parents. I did everything um, to organise and to get everything ready and to be there for everybody else. And um, his death happened, like, about three weeks before I went to university. And I got to university, and I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't really got my head around what I was doing. And basically, I just completely fell apart when I got to university. And I just felt like everything that I had put my security in, even life itself, had kind of gone. And it was a really, really difficult time. And in the midst of this difficult time, um, there was a cult called the London Church of Christ. And um, I was just 18. I was away from home for the first time. I was dealing with this, this death. And, uh, and I also had a friend who had a nervous breakdown um, shortly after going to university as well. So there was all these terrible things going on. I'd just become a Christian. It's like, this wasn't part of the script. I thought you became a Christian and everything worked out really well. So um, that was not my experience, definitely. And um, so I, there was this cult, and they kind of attached themselves to me. And um, they basically said, you're not a proper Christian. You're going to hell. Um, we need to meet with you every week. So they met with me. We're going to do Bible study with you. And so they, they met with me. They did this Bible study with me. They basically focused completely on judgment and condemnation. And, um, and I got to a point where... Um, they were kind of, they were desperate for me to, to be saved, in their words, which was to kind of become part of their cult and to isolate myself from my family, my friends, my experience of church. And um, kind of came to a point where um, there was this crisis weekend and they basically said to me, right, you have to stay with us this weekend. And I'm saying, no, no, I'm going home this weekend. Um, my friend who'd had a nervous breakdown had been admitted to a mental hospital and I was going to go and visit her. And I was like, you know, I need to see my friend. This is really important to me. Um, and they were like going, no, no, you have to stay with us. This is about your salvation. So anyway, I, fortunately, I'm a very determined person. So I said, right, well, I'm sorry. If it's my salvation, then it will just have to wait until next week. And I hope that I don't die in the meantime because um, I'm going to go home and see my friend. So, um, so I did, and I went home, and I started... I hadn't really talked to anyone at home about how I was feeling, what was going on for me, and I can remember another friend from university was home as well to see this mutual friend, and I started talking to her, and I started talking to my dad, and um, basically started saying, look, you know, what they're telling you is not true. They're giving you one side of the story. They're giving you the judgment, but what about the love? What about the compassion? What about um, what Jesus said about not judging others and... So anyway, um, I resolved that when I went back to university, I was going to um, talk to them. So I got back, and they started ringing me. And um, 
and I remember sitting down to write a letter and in the end I wrote a letter and I really feel that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit because as I wrote it just flowed and it was basically my testimony, it was my statement of what I believed about God and how I believed that actually I was already saved because um, of the commitment that I'd already made and I never heard from them again. But I tell you that story because for me... um, evangelism was a dirty word. And actually, because I'd been on the receiving end of being pressured and being bullied and being judged and being made to feel that I was worthless, um, I didn't want to have anything to do with evangelism at all. It was the least favourite topic um, that I was involved in. And it also made me very anti-anything that was not the Church of England. Hurrah! Um, so I went back, when I went back to university, um, my mum had a friend who um, was a vicar's wife, and it was quite away from where I was at university. I went to Middlesex University, so I was in North London. And um, she, had a vicar's, um, she had a friend who was a vicar's wife, and so I ended up going to that church because I knew that was safe and <laughs> I knew what to expect, and I was, I was really loved and supported in that church, and that was great. Um, I guess for me, um, part of my preoccupation has always been about um, making faith relevant. You know, that it's all very well having a belief, but what does that belief actually mean in our lives? And how does that make a difference to the way that we live? Um, Could anybody actually tell that I was a Christian um, by the way that I lived? Um, So that's always been my preoccupation. And one of the things I did when I was at university is I got a job in a pub that was just across the road from the church, my home church, where my parents went. And, um, and they were really interesting because they found out I was a Christian and it was quite a rough pub and it was on an estate. And, um, and they, used to, they were quite funny. They used to, if they wanted to tell a dirty joke, they used to send me for something really obscure into the other bar. So they'd ask for something that wasn't immediately to hand so that I'd kind of disappear. And then when I heard the laughing, I knew that it was safe to come back because I twigged pretty quick that this is what was going on. And if they swore, they'd always apologise. And I'd always go, no, no, it's fine, you know. But then the other thing that started to happen was that they would talk to me about their faith experiences. And actually, you know, quite a few of them would actually talk about how Jesus was was somebody that they talked to and was important for them in their life. But they would never have gone to church. You know, church was this building on the hill. They talked about the fact that they never knew which book they were supposed to look at. They didn't know when they were supposed to stand up or sit down. Um, That if they did go, then people would tell their children to be quiet. And basically, they felt really uncomfortable, um, and this wasn't a place that they wanted to go. And um, this kind of really challenged me and made me think about, you know, what is it that we do in church that actually makes barriers for people who want to know Christ? Um, And so that was something that kind of began to to really um, challenge my thinking about church. Okay, so in 1992, I met my husband, David. He (laughs) was, um, and I'd kind of been very anti-charismatics, and I lived, I shared this student house, and half of us were charismatic, and the other half were Church of England. And, um, And I used to get into the most almighty arguments. In fact, I remember one of my housemates throwing a cabbage at me. 
because um, we had this massive argument. It was probably about Halloween or women or something, anyway. Um, and I was really anti, and I didn't want to know anything about it. And, um, and then I met David, and he was a charismatic, so I kind of was having to rethink the, the whole thing um, in terms of wanting to be with him. So, um, so, yeah, he was in, like, this house church, and literally they were a proper house church. So you'd go to this person's house, and they'd be in a room, and then they'd just start singing... And then I'd be sitting there going, okay, and where's this exactly in the book? And there weren't any books. And, and then they'd, somebody would just start speaking stuff out. And, and I just felt so uncomfortable. I just absolutely hated it. And I just thought, there's no way that this relationship is ever going to work because this is not going to, you know, I can't feel comfortable in this situation. But, and so anyway, we broke up and I went off. And I really felt God tell me to get baptized. And... Um, which was, you know, not really what I wanted to be told because um, it was a bit awkward. So, um, but I was going to this evangelical church and, um, and then one night they said, oh, you know, if there's anybody who wants to get baptised and I knew that that's what God wanted me to do. So I went up to the minister after and I said, I think God wants me to get baptised again because I'd been done as a baby. So, um, and he said, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll baptise you. Um, but uh, you've got to talk to your vicar. So I went back to my Anglican church and uh, arranged to meet with a vicar who had a double first from Cambridge in theology and um, said, uh, uh, I think God wants me to get baptised. So we had this massive debate for like two hours about infant baptism. And, um, and in the end, I said to him, look, um, thing is that, the theology for me is really neither here nor there. God's told me to do it, and I'm going to be obedient. And so that's what I did. So I went and got baptised. Um, and then David and I got back together, and we kind of felt, I really felt like we're going to have to find a compromise solution. You know, he's this house church, I'm Anglican. How are we going to kind of make this work so that both of us find a community of faith that we can feel comfortable in? And so I remember one day being on the train and God telling me you're going to be in Surbiton Community Church. And, um, and actually what happened was after I got baptised, um, I felt God was saying, I'm going to put you in a new church. And I was like, cool. Um, even though the vicar very graciously said, we'll have you back after you've done this terrible thing. Um, God, I really felt God was saying, no, you're going to, I'm going to put you in a new church. And I, don't, I still, to this day, don't know how this happened. But Jackie, who we met over the weekend, she just rang me up one day. And she said, I hear that you're looking for a church. And I don't know how she heard that I was looking for a church, who she'd been talking to. And um, she said, I'm doing a, a church plant to Chessington, and I hear that you're looking for somewhere to go. Um, would you like to come and be part of that? So I started going there, and, um, and it was a place that was, that was great for both David and I because we, we could find something for both of us in that situation. So in terms of my job, um, I worked in marketing public relations. I worked in that for like 18 years, I think. Um, and that was very much my, my professional life. Um, I did take a couple of years out and did some discipleship training. Um, Serbiton Community Church is part of the Pioneer Network of Churches, and they have a discipleship training program called DNA, so I did that with them. 
And then when I was about, I think I must have been about 28, 29, and I just had Daniel, my eldest son, and uh, one of the leaders came to speak to me, and he said, oh, you know, we'd like you to join. I thought he was coming to tell me off. <laughs> I, literally, I really did. I really thought he crossed, he never spoke to me, this guy. He was one of the leaders, never spoke to me, and he came across, and I remember thinking, oh, no, what have I done? And he said, we'd like you to be a leader. And I was completely, and I said, no, no way. That was my initial response. And then I kind of backtracked and thought, no, that isn't the response that is required. You have to say, well, I'll go away and pray about that. Um, So I did go away and pray about it. And unfortunately, God told me that he did want me to become an elder. Um, And so I just felt like, why am I doing this? This, you know, I mean, I've always been a leader. I mean, I was a sixer in brownies, for goodness sake. And I was head girl, you know, I mean, I've always been a leader, but I just kind of never thought that I would fit in church leadership, and I certainly didn't kind of live up to my own expectations of what a leader was. Um, but anyway, I, I, I did that, and, um, and I think I can remember when, they, you know, in our church, we have this kind of commissioning service where they come and they pray for you and they lay hands on you and that kind of stuff. And I remember that one of the leaders had this picture for me of a beanbag, and they actually brought this great big beanbag along, and they said, God is saying that um, the role of leader needs to fit around you. Um, And it's not like a rigid chair which you will fit. But to be honest, I don't think I did that. I think I tried to be what everybody wanted me to be. Um, And I didn't really fit, and I didn't really know what I was doing there. And actually, I found it a very difficult and uncomfortable experience. Um, And we got to a point where actually... um, I had some friends in the church, and they went to the other leaders, and they said that I wasn't fit to be a leader, mainly because of um, I had postnatal depression. Um, and so they went to the leaders, and they said that Andrea's not actually, you know, she shouldn't be a leader. She's actually damaging the church by having a leadership role. And that was very painful, but also it really made me think about, is this really what God has for me? Is this really what he's he's asking of me you know I don't feel like I really fit anyway so maybe I've got it wrong maybe I maybe I I misheard and I was doing it just to feel better about myself um or something filling some deep psychological need in me um to be a leader and put myself through that hell really um which was bizarre um so yeah so and I can remember going to spring harvest and just being in this completely desperate state and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know why I'm here, God, you know, for goodness sake, do something. And, um, and going along to a, a seminar by Yvonne Richmond, and her talking about engaging with people who have an interest in spirituality. So they might be people who go to the spiritualists, they might be people who read their horoscopes, people who have an experience that they can't, Um, materially explain but they believe that they've had some kind of spiritual encounter and um, this really kind of resonated with me because I had a friend and um, I can remember her ringing me up one day and saying Andrew I've had this spiritual experience and my friends used to call me Yoda because I was a church leader (laughs) and and I've never really been good at having Christian friends I've always had lots of non-Christian friends and so she rang me up, and because I was Yoda, of course I'd understand what this spiritual experience meant. So she told me about this experience she'd had where she'd been at the station and she'd been waiting for one of our other friends. And um, 
she, she heard a voice that said, because she, she'd been waiting a long time and, and our friend was late. I mean, Claire is always late, but she was really late. Um, and, um, and she was really beginning to worry. And she heard this voice saying, it's going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. And about 10 minutes later, Claire appeared. And she, she really, you know, really felt that somebody or something had spoken to her to reassure her. So she rang me up. And um, to be honest, I completely blew it. I did not know how to respond to this. You know, there was nothing in my church leadership training which equipped me for my friend hearing an audible voice um, and telling me all about it. And so I was like, oh, no, you know, I'd, maybe, maybe you just imagined it. You know, I mean, I really blew it, really did. And, um, and I came away feeling like I've really blown it, but I don't know how else I was supposed to respond in that situation. And so hearing about this, this, um, these people engaging through having spiritual experiences outside of the church in um, situations that we would probably call occult activity, you know, really began to kind of get me thinking. And um, she talked about a group in Guildford who were going to fairs and offering to pray for people. And Dave and I... Um, there's a green fair that used to happen in Kingston, and it was the, the largest environmental fair in London. And 20,000 people would come into Kingston just for that one day for this green fair. And um, Dave and I used to go every year. And, and I just turned to him and I said, that's what God wants me to do. He wants me to go and pray for people at the green fair. And uh, so... That was, in, that was at Spring Harvest, so that was April. The fair was in May. So I got home and I rang up the organisers and said, can I have a pitch? Um, and she said, well, that's really funny because um, we've had another church group contact us for the first time saying they'd like to have a pitch. Do you want to kind of talk together? So I was like, yeah, great, give me her number. So I talked to them and they were from St Paul's um, Kingston Hill, which is an Anglican church in Kingston. And they felt God had told them exactly the same thing, that they should go to the Green Fair and they should offer to pray. So we got together, we did a joint thing, we started prayer walking, and we kind of got a team of people together, and, um, and that was in 2005. So, um, so, yeah, what happened at the Green Fair was that I completely, it just completely blew my mind. Um, Eden, who um, I'd heard being talked about at Spring Harvest were actually there and they came over and they said oh you know we hear that you're Christians um and I was like going it's you it's you it's because of you that I'm doing this and um and I literally did not have a clue what I was doing I just thought God has told me to do it I'm going to put up my tent and just you know hope that God knows what he's doing because I certainly don't and um and we were just overwhelmed. I mean, we had queues of people. And like I say, I hate evangelism. You know, evangelism for me is like the worst thing that is possible to do because of my experience. And, um, and so to be in a situation where we were kind of praying for people, we were sharing God's love, we were listening to what God was already doing in their lives through their spiritual experiences and being able to respond and having queues of people and not having enough Christians to be there to pray for them just completely, you know, overwhelmed me, really. And, um, and I just kind of thought, wow, there's a whole um, group of people who have been 
abandoned by the church because we've said what you're doing is demonic. You know, I had one of my leaders in my church say that is the devil's territory. Um, and, um, and that was the attitude, you know. There were pe- we've ha- we had Christians who had placards outside saying, don't go to this fair, you know. And, um, and here we were talking to people, hearing about their stories and, and sharing their experiences of faith. Um, so, so we did that over a number of years, built up team, gradually kind of got a bit more sophisticated about what we were doing. You know, we'd provide training and had kind of procedures and all that kind of stuff that you're supposed to do. Um, and we got into dream interpretation and, um, yeah, so, uh, what else do we do? Massage, um, and, and I gradually worked with more and more churches in the area, so I'd build up relationships with other churches, and so we had a, you know, really good ecumenical team um, going into the Green Fair each year. But after a couple of years, I began to feel frustrated, you know, that it was like, these people must be out there the rest of the year, you know, we have these great one-off um, events, but where are they? How do we begin to engage with them um, the rest of the time? So... In 2007, I set up Sacred Space, and um, kind of the plan was to... I got together with other Christians in the area who had a similar heart for um, making faith relevant and, you know, thinking about church. How do we do church in a way that actually um, is inclusive and and welcoming and and respects people and listens to where they're at and responds and all that kind of stuff? So um, we decided to put on art exhibitions. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, we set up Sacred Space and put on exhibitions in uh, the parish church in Kingston. Um, so, but at this point, I was, I've got my two children. I was working part-time. I was still a leader in the church. Um, and I was doing this ministry. And But after a couple of years, I was really kind of getting to the point where I was I was burnt out. So um, uh, my church were really kind of unsure about what I was doing. They didn't really kind of get it. You know, there were individuals in the church who were very supportive, but it was very, it was kind of not really understood. And, um, you know, I was kind of viewed a bit with suspicion as to what I was up to, really. And um, uh, we have the Youth for Christ in Kingston, and um, Richard James, who was the chief executive there, he was one of the guys that helped me set up Sacred Space. And he kind of came to me and said, look, you know, you're not getting a lot of support from your church. We have a staff team meeting every week. Would you like to come and be part of our staff team? And uh, we'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll um, seek to, to build you up for your ministry. So I did that uh, for a couple of years. And then he could see that actually I couldn't sustain this any longer, the, the working, the family, the church, the, you know, ministry. So he kind of said, well, look, let's try and get you some money, and at least then you can give up, give up your job. So we got a grant, and I was employed by um, Oxygen um, in 2009. And then in 2010, I became a mission partner with CMS, one of the things that Richard was great at is he kind of said, look, what you're doing is fantastic, but what about you? You know, what about your vocation? How are we going to train and equip you and make sure that you fulfill everything that God has for you? And he said to me, you're a pioneer. And I was like, oh, what's one of them? Um, 
And so we, I met with the DDO. I wasn't an Anglican church member, so that was all a bit weird. Um, so I met with the DDO, and she said, Andrea, this is going to drive you nuts, because if we send you away to theological college for two years, what are you going to do with all that you've already achieved? Um, so we kind of decided that was a bit of a non-starter, but Richard's wife, Debbie, works for CMS, and so he said, well, Johnny's starting this course so um, let's get you in as a mission partner, and then you can do the course with Johnny. So I was like, yeah, okay, seems like a plan. So, um, so that's what we did. 